This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. It is officially NFL Combine Week, and the pre-draft process is in the full swing of things. I am recording this Monday evening. The quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends have already been measured. Their heights, their weights, their wingspan, their hand size, and all that are in the books. It is going to be a big week in Indianapolis. So much to to talk about. There's changes to the combine. It's no longer in the morning. It's in the late afternoon to late into the evenings. There's new drills and I'm going to be here to break it all down. Uh, I am hoping Mac can pop on at some point and share some thoughts on the combine as well, but I'm going to kick it off and get started and get right into it. I think this is a big week. The NFL combine every single year People lose sight of what it's really all about. I mean, the most important aspect of the combine is the medicals and the interviews, first and foremost. And I think that's the stuff we don't see. So at times, it's easy to lose sight and lose focus of how that is number one and number two at the top of the list in terms of why the combine is so important. After that, then I think you start to move to some of the measurements, and then the actual testing and drills. I think it's important to get accurate heights, weights, you know, arm sizes, length, wingspans, hand sizes, because we know some of it, but we don't have exact measurements. Colleges, you know, a little bit fast and loose with, with some of those measurements. Things change even from the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl to the Combine. Underclassmen, we don't have accurate representations. So I think it's important in that respect to get these you know, accurate heights and weights and measurements. And then the on-field drills. Matt and I have always talked about that. The combine is like the SAT for the NFL draft process. It puts everybody in the same spot, taking the same test, comparing apples to apples. Because you can't do that when you watch film. You can't do that when you watch Saturday college football. You can't compare somebody, you know, from – you know, lower level conference, you know, to the SEC or the ACC or, you know, the Big 12 or whatever. You just can't. So it's a part of the process. I think sometimes it's made, it's blown up a little bit too much in terms of the emphasis that people put on it. I remember a couple of years ago, people freaking out over Calvin Ridley because he didn't test all that well in, in some drills. And they were drills that we weren't expecting him to test well in. So I don't, I never knew why there was so much hoopla in the fact that Calvin Ridley didn't do very well in like the broad jump and the vert jump, you know, in one aspect of the agility drills. That's not who he was. Like, so it, I think at times it gets overblown. Me personally, I love the combine. I love the spectacle that it is, but I also have a perspective on it that I understand what it is and what it isn't. I like watching the guys do the drills one after the other. It, 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 you watch these guys, you see their movement a little bit. You see how they, they turn their hips. You see their fluidity. You see their hands and some of the pass catching drills. You see running backs run routes that maybe we haven't seen them asked to run at the college level. 
On the defensive side, you see these guys covering in space. So there are components of it. Are there some drills that are ridiculous? Yeah. And if Matt joins me tonight, he's going to talk about how even some of the changes, you know, from the movement science perspective, even some of the changes are still, you know, illogical and not representative of what they're asked to do on the football field. But it's became an event. It's a reason why it's in prime time. It's the reason why it's in late afternoon now. It's became such a spectacle. The ratings, they're trying to draw ratings. They're trying to draw eyeballs. They're timing new events like the gauntlet and other things. Just to kind of make it a little bit more exciting, you know, for the public, for the TV viewership. But I still like it. It, it to me, it levels the playing field and it allows us to see if what we saw on film. Listen, we watch all these guys for the scouting notebook and I write down notes. Good athleticism, very good athleticism, great athleticism, average athleticism, below average athleticism. You know, I want to see good change of direction, good agility. Well, the combine allows me to see if what I did you know, is what I is what how they test. Now, listen, testing in the combine setting doesn't always match up with what you see in film. But I think sometimes you look for outliers, and if you see things that dramatically are different than what you saw on film, it sends you back to the tape. And I think that's what you're looking for. You're looking for outliers, positively or negative outliers when you're watching the combine. That's what I do. I use it as tiebreakers. If I have a bunch of guys in, in a similar tier, I mean, we just came off doing our tier buster shows. And when I have a whole bunch of guys in a tier and I don't have much difference in terms of inside that tier, yeah, I will use the combine and I will favor the guy who maybe tests that a little bit better athletically. Because I do think athleticism does have a role in the NFL. The athletes are the guys who are making the biggest splash plays at times. So I think athleticism does help. So to break ties, sure. Maybe a guy's right at the top of tier three, and maybe I can see something in the combine that pushes him up into the bottom part of tier two. I don't think you should be doing dramatic. I like to set my tiers and my rankings a lot before the combine. It doesn't mean those are my final rankings. I have some more film to watch. More film becomes available. You know, we're a little bit, you know, at the beck and call of, of the guys who cut tape and put it on YouTube. We don't have access to all 22 and everything that teams do. So there will be more film watching. So from the film watching, from the combine, from the pro day results, it does move my rankings and tiers a little bit. So I think it's used for tiebreakers. I think it's used to find outliers. It's used to send you back and it's used to confirm things that you thought you saw. And I think that's, it's, it's a part of the process. It's a small part of the process, but I enjoy it. It allows me to expose myself to so many prospects on the offensive side of the ball. Who Most of those guys I'm very familiar with. I've watched almost every single one of those guys, the offensive skill guys, but it introduces me. I study, I research, I watch highlights, I watch film, you know, and I, I, I collaborate and gather notes on the offensive line guys, on the defensive line, the DBs, you know, the linebackers, the edge guys. So it's a way for me to really introduce myself to the entire draft class, which then becomes the basis of the draft projections notebook. If you follow me on Twitter, I will be live tweeting throughout the combine. My notes on the offensive prospects, the defensive prospects, everybody, round projections, traits, skill-based, you know, what I think of these guys. All the offensive guys, you know, offensive skill guys are my own thoughts while the defensive and the offensive linemen it's a combination of highlights i watched you know watching live game you know during the college football season on saturday and taking notes what i've heard what i've read what i've listened to on podcasts you know there's so many great podcasts out there on the nfl draft there's so many great references you know websites on the nfl draft that i kind of collaborate and gather all this different information on those other things and make some notes on these guys you know and that's what you'll see you know when i'm tweeting
sitting out during the combine uh, throughout the four days that is the spectacle now. It's a fun event. It helps me start focusing in on the draft projections notebook for people who have purchased that as well. So I, I, I enjoy it, but I also put it into perspective and don't overvalue it in terms of the whole entire draft process. So some things I'm looking for, let's start at the quarterback position. At the quarterback position, a couple things I'm looking for. Uh, I want to see, you know, a couple guys throw if they're going to throw. We haven't heard yet. Think, someone like Jalen Hurts, how does he look? He had some ups and downs at the Senior Bowl. You know, can he show some growth and improvement here at the Combine in terms of the passing drills? That's what I'm looking for there. You know, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, is there any buzz, you know, from – separating those two. I think right now it's Herbert, but I think Jordan Love is going to have a very good combine as well. You know, so how do those guys look for rowing pretty close to each other, you know, alphabetical wise, only a couple guys in between, you know, those guys, you know, going through the drills together. I'm interested to see if there's any, what comes out of the Herbert and Love. I think both of them, I think Herbert's in the mix to be a top eight pick. I think Love's in the mix to be a top 13 pick. You know, how do those guys look for rowing the football? Um, other things at the quarterback, you know, listen, I'm not sure if Joe Burrow is going to do all the drills. I'm not sure why he would, to be frankly honest with you. I think he's locked in, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets out there. Obviously, the Senior Bowl was very close to the National Championship game. He decided to bypass uh, the Senior Bowl. It'll be interesting to see if he decides to throw it all uh, at that. In terms of other quarterbacks, Jake Fromm, this is not a setting that I think, you know, Jake Fromm is going to succeed in. And kind of Jalen Hurts, too. You know, Jalen Hurts is a playmaker and a problem solver. You know, a couple of weeks ago, talking to John Lobb, a friend of the show, been a guest many times on here. And we were talking about Jalen Hurts and how he solves problems on the football field. That's not going to show up in senior bowl practices. It's not going to show, show up on combine drills, but he just finds ways to solve problems on the football field. And that's what still intrigues me as him as maybe a potentially day two pick. But I'm interested to see. Jake Luden is an under the radar guy. I'm excited to see at the combine because I don't think he's been talked about enough. And he's a guy, when I watched him, he intrigues me as a day three prospect with some upside. So I'll be watching him. Cole McDonald, I think, is an interesting guy with a lot of tools and, and talent. I think he'll probably be able to sling the ball all around the football field. And then obviously, Tua and the medicals. Does any new information come out in terms of the medicals that kind of, you know, elaborates on maybe how healthy he is? I don't think we're going to find anything new about Tua and how his medical rechecks are. You know, he's obviously going to be checked out now and then the medical re combine medical rechecks and in, in, in down the line as well. I'm not sure anything new is going to come out of there. So I don't think there's a lot that we gather from the combine. I really don't. I think it's intriguing to watch some of these guys throw the football, but I don't think there's much from the combine that's going to make uh, me in any way change my tiers or change anything in terms of my rankings when it comes to the quarterback position. I want to see some guys throw one after another, but I don't think there's anything from the combine that's really going to alter what I think of these quarterback prospects. It's more if, if any buzz that comes out from these guys that I find interesting buzz on Jalen hurts. Is he a day two pick buzz on is Jordan love going in the top 10 or top 15? How high could Justin Herbert go? Is it possible he can go in the top five or top six with a team trading up? You know, those are the things that I, I find interesting at the quarterback position. If we take this to the running back position, at the running back position, things that I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to see Cam Akers test. I think he is a guy who, is getting some attention now, but it was lost in the shuffle a little bit with Florida State's down a couple of years. But I think he's very much in the mix, as Matt and I talked about, as a top five running back in this class. And I'm not sure there's a huge separation between guys like him and J.K. Dobbins 
and DeAndre Swift that I think he could very much put himself in the mix as guys who are late first round through second round picks. And I think we could see all five of the top running backs from Swift and Akers and Dobbins and Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I'm going to be interested to see if we see anything at the combine that surprises us. So how does Jonathan Taylor look running routes? I know we saw him run some routes this year, improve his receiving production, but how does he look running some of the routes at the combine? That'll be something I'm watching. Do any of these guys test a lot better than we expect? And does anybody test a lot poorer? Like, I, I think it's more at the running back position. I think the 40 is, you know, is not all that important. But I want to make sure a guy doesn't run a 4.65 or a 4.7. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he runs a 4.55 or a 4.58. That's fine. You know, I don't think I expect much better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Does anybody really fly in terms of the top-level guys? How fast is Jonathan Taylor at his size? What does his athleticism look like? Does he, does he, is he poor in the agility? Drills. I'm interested to see that. AJ Dillon, another guy, monster human being. How t- how well does he test out? Because I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and test out really well here. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting some accurate measurements. What does Eno Benjamin's weight come in at? You know, we thought he was playing at 205, 210, and then he comes in at like 195 at the Senior Bowl. That was a big difference. So I'm interested to see how Eno Benjamin, what his exact measurements are, and how he looks on the football field there. A couple other guys, you know, some of the speedsters, the Maryland guys, Javon Leak, uh, and and Anthony McFarland. How fast are those guys? How did how explosive are they in the jumps? Because those guys are are going to be drafted based on their explosiveness, their speed. So I think for these guys, it's a big week. They got to show that what they showed on the football field translates to the testing drills as well. Because if not, then then they, then there starts to be some questions about those guys. If you're drafting these guys to be home run threats with explosive long speed, you know, and burst, you want to see that here and check that box. So I'm interested to see those two guys, Darrington Evans, another guy you can throw in the mix with Anthony McFarlane. And with Javon Leak in terms of speedsters that I want to make sure they confirm what we think of these guys in terms of their long speed and their home run threat ability. I think that's important. Uh, so make sure uh, those guys is what we're really looking for. So so that's the thing. Uh you know, those are a couple of the things at the running back position that I'm kind of excited to see when it comes to uh, the running backs. The running back position is very interesting. It's one of those things that, again, I want to see, you know, I want to see some of the things here in terms of uh, the pass catching things in terms of the guys that we're not used to, you know, how does Zach Moss look in terms of his pass receiving? We saw him improve his production this year, but how does he look running more advanced routes? Can he show more? A guy like Scotty Phillips had a little bit of a down year, but he's got a very intriguing skill set. How does he look? You know, things like that, guys, you know, that we're looking. Keyshawn Vaughn, another guy who we thought played a lot higher, but then came in at a much lower weight at the senior bowl. You know, what is his exact weight in terms of his frame? How does he look? Does he show better bursts and long speed than maybe we think he has? So I think those are some of the interesting things uh, for the running backs that I'm looking for. If I take this to the wide receivers, the wide receivers, it's a fascinating, fascinating draft class for this wide receivers and this combine 55 names deep. I've been watching the combine for a long time. I never remember it having 55 names at it. And when we're hearing things, you know, it's Daniel Jeremiah, it's Mel Kuyper saying 25 to 27 wide receivers have top three round grades that we can see records set in terms of number of wide receivers drafted in the top 100, the top four rounds. So does this combine sh- 
show us anything that maybe we didn't see on film or does it allow us to maybe break ties in, in within our tiers and help reorganize our tiers you know it, it allows us to get exact measurements on guys i think that's very important and then i like to see these guys run some of the drills just to see their fluidity in their movements i like to see them one after another maybe all these bigger wide receivers is there some differences that we can pick up at the combine whether it's athletic testing or on the on-field activities guys like you know antonio gandy gibson and colin johnson you know guys like that how smooth do they look running these drills what are their actual you know timed uh you know measurements their their leaping ability their 40 times their agility drills you know and then some new guys like isaiah hodgins out of oregon state i think is a very skilled wide receiver how does he look so there's a lot of things at the wide receiver position that i that i'm excited to kind of watch here to see if things kind of separate themselves a little bit. And then obviously, you know, the popcorn, the speedsters, what is Henry Ruggs? Does he break, you know, John Ross's record, you know, Jalen Rieger, does he, does he in the low four threes, you know, KJ Hamler. I mean, those are, those are sit, sit on the edge of your seats and see how fast these guys can run. So there's a lot to watch at the wide receivers. I'm pleased to be joined by Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, how are you doing? My friend? Hey Paul, sorry for the uh, delayed response. Uh, we had a uh, life occurring off air, which uh, kind of delayed the inevitable discussion of the combine, which is, which is always, I mean, as you heard, as I heard you just say popcorn, it, it really is popcorn. And I hope people take that away as they're kind of going into this process for sure. So, I mean, at this point, you guys are talking about ride, wide receivers, and I, and I and I agree with you. I mean, listen, it is fun to watch these guys run, um, but there's, you know, as we kind of go into this process again, and I'm sure you covered this to some degree, but you know, the the whole the whole discussion is what they're changing, what they're doing, and you know, to to my to my opinion, listen, I mean, for everybody who's heard me talk about this and has probably heard me kind of talk about it at nauseum and maybe maybe even to your own annoyance and and for that I apologize but you know I'm I'm a devout kind of you know subscriber to the idea that if it doesn't really represent the movement on the field then then what's really to be gleaned that we haven't already gleaned from their actual film you know I mean what is really going to change your mind what are you going to watch in terms of drills in terms of athletic performance what are, what are you going to actually see that should that should even change your mind and I think Paul um, I think Paul, your approach is, is I think a very measured one. It's more like if I'm on the fence, this could this could push me one way or another. And I think that's a fair thought. I think that's a very common thought. Um, I guess that just surrounding this this advent of change because they were moving to prime time, you know, the the article that came out in SI.com this past week with regards to all the things that are being changed with regard with regards to the drill, like, you know, now the gauntlet drill is timed you know, now we're going to do things differently, like that, that this is somehow some revelation. You know, I, I tend to I tend to think that what they did is a, a lot of talking and, and really the changes that were made and the changes that were seen weren't really that significant. So, I mean, I, I'm not really seeing like, you know, where uh, a player, you know, being directed based upon their movement, based on a coach's pointing or a coach gesturing or adding time to something like the gauntlet drill. I mean, there's no, there's no area of football where you're catching 50 balls in a row. It's just not happening. And excuse me, this is not 50 balls in a row. It's like 10 passes in a row as however fast you can running in a straight line. And Paul, you know, I mean, with all due respect, even the own scouts in the NFL were saying that this is pretty much useless, that they don't even see much value in the drills. So, I mean, do I think, do I think seeing these players compete and doing it on a big stage that kind of normalizes the playing field to some degree. Is it fun? Yes. 
Is it changing my opinions? No. But I do think, does is there a world where some type of understanding of the capacities, like the, the, the max outputs of these players, is that even reasonable or necessary? Is there a reality where knowing their maximum strength in a more representative, let's say, uh, training environment, is that useful yeah but I, I think we're far away from that paul i think we're far away from that with the combine right now i think it's about medicals interviews and getting the players to indie in a way that all these teams have a chance to kind of pick at them pro you know pro prod them and see what they're all about that's what i think it's about i think the on field drills is really for the public yeah absolutely and i i got into that a little bit earlier on it's an opportunity to put everybody at least on the same playing field on in one location because yeah we're film people but watching film of an sec player versus watching film of a lower level competition it's not apples to apples because of the level of opponents and and the level the quality of defenders so we put them here to try to see repetitive movements and repetitive drills to see if we can gather some type of information but it shouldn't move the needle all that much it should be used as as tiebreakers slight things there now you're someone you know and i want to pose this question because you're someone that watches you know the senior bowl drills and you know you can gather a lot now yes that's a little different because it's one-on-one battle so you're you're going up against an opponent which is more of a football oriented drill but you've right. done so much in the movement science world mm-hmm. like can you gather when you watch it with all your background in that area can you watch guys and and look at their you know whether what do you want to call it fluidity mm-hmm. their hip turn you know their footwork like could you watch components of the combine and and you then gather something to maybe help you make a better determination in terms of things like their ability to quickly get out of a break or their footwork and how clean it is you know i know i just know in general like i watch the cornerbacks cuz i watched the whole thing and there are times you could watch a cornerback do a backpedal or a safety do a backpedal and some guys it just looks clunky and you could immediately say, and, and Dion's usually on the mic there, you know, giving his commentary and making everybody laugh. He's a safety. And that's why he's a safety because like, you could see the movement and he could turn and you just know that he can't play cornerback. And that's why he's a safety. Or maybe that's why he's a box safety. Can you gather stuff? And maybe if you put guys into groups and you just look at it as the big wide receivers or the small wide receivers and just watch them back to back or, you know, go back on film do you think there's anything relevant that you can gather to maybe help make some determinations in terms of in and out of breaks, their footwork, how clean they are turning on those breaks, how easily and fluid their hips turn? Do you think you can gather some of that to try to maybe break some ties with, with similar style players in terms of stature and frame? Well, I, and again, I think this is where we, we talk about evaluation. We come down to principles of evaluation and what you believe in and maybe what your philosophy is. And I think that there is a line of demarcation. And I think that there's at some point without sounding like almost dogmatic, and maybe I do sound dogmatic, almost to the the point of of silliness to some people out there. But I don't believe much can be gathered from a non representative situation. And I, I think that either either you believe that, or to some degree, you don't. And I think that what Dion says in his telecast is probably no different than what he thought in his film. And I wonder if anything really changed. So while Dion's providing all these insights, to what degree does that maybe even represent that he, maybe he didn't see the player until now. And maybe he's just seeing positional ability right now based on what we, we had a big talk about this. I love when players comment because even though their explanation of maybe what's going on 
may not have the, let's say, the refinement of what Daniel Jeremiah and scouting lingo might say, their sensitivity to things that are great in terms of movement is really fascinating. Like when we were talking about today, NFL.com, and we were talking about former players talking about free agents and what free agents they liked and how they were talking about Jerry Judy and some of the rookies and DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. I value their opinion because even though they may not, let's say, use the same terminology as we do, their sensitivity to what's important is very valuable to me and their lens is valuable. So it's interesting to hear what they have to say, which is why I watch it as well. But no, I mean, if I'm going to really draw a line in the sand moving forward for myself, then believe it or not, one of the most important things actually already happened. Knowing how tall these guys actually are and what their hand size is and what their arm length is begins to give their body proportions more context for me. So like, for example, go back to James Washington way back when, right? We're talking about James Washington now. Remember how James Washington, we're not talking a huge guy. He wasn't tall, but do you remember his arm length was something obscene, like 78 inches or something for his height? And people were like, wow. And then when you start listening to some of those those measurements of their limbs, you start to begin to put a better kind of um, framework together in terms of what these guys are built like. Oh, he's a little bit more high cut. He's carrying a little bit more mass in his upper body. He's got long limbs in his in his uh, arms, like T. Higgins. T. Higgins had obscene arm length. It was like eighty inches or something. Eighty one inches was his arm length, his wingspan or something like that. Right? If that's his wingspan, then you can see how that shapes his movement on the field. So, believe it or not, I'm actually taking more interest in those measurements just because I think it gives me more perspective on their film. So I think that that's a really, that's something that's a holistic change for me, Paul. I mean, we always used to say the underwear Olympics, right? Like, but who cares about the weigh-ins, right? Who cares about the weigh-ins? But when you really think about it, if I told you the guy's arms are this long and he's a wide receiver, that's going to shape a little bit maybe of how you look at how he behaves on the field because it gives you a little bit more understanding about how his body sees the problem how does his body see the problem on the field well if i got 80 inch arm 80 inch wingspan i'm thinking i can step over you step around you grab around you my catch radius is insane so it gives me a little bit more um of an understanding of how these guys behave on the field but no i think i think in all honesty i think that they missed an opportunity here to invite movement professionals across the spectrum in to really do some great innovative things. I don't get much. If I got to draw a line in the sand, I don't think I'm going to get much from the movement on the field. I think that I have to hold true to what I'm, what I believe in right, wrong, or otherwise, and let the time bear itself out. So I'm going to say to you, if I'm going to be dogmatic, I'm going to almost say, I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it, but I'm not going to try to overly assess what I'm looking at. They're not in pads. They're not in a game representative situation. Their bodies are going to move differently when they're in pads. Just that alone is going to constrain them. I I think I have to stay resolute and say, hey, listen, it's nice to see. I want to see what their their actual measurements are, and then let's go from there. And if listen, I'm not stupid either, though. If somebody does something I completely thought was unreasonable, like suddenly Jawan Johnson, the Oregon Duck, runs a 4-4-5, four, four, 
I think we're all going to look at Juwan Johnson a little bit differently. We're going to want to go back and see what the hell was going on because that might drive us back and say, were we maybe appreciating that capacity or what was what was the obstacle? See, I think, Paul, the development part of what you and I do is really interesting. If that guy's a four four five, why wasn't it showing up? What prevented him from accessing that dimension of his physical capabilities? Was there anything that prevented it? It, it, it? It's just, I'm spinning it a little differently. I don't think it should tell me much more than the film should. I think the film should be what I'm gleaning about, what I'm really focusing on. Yeah, I mean, you want for you and for all your background, you're you're going to h- hang your hat on the fact that their movements and their decisions and their actions on the field are reciprocated by the move by the decisions on the defense and they're reacting to what's in front of them, their surroundings, their environment and you just can't see that at the combine because there's nobody on there's nobody no. playing defense. No, <laughs> there's, not there's nothing they're reacting to. They know what's coming so they're not reacting to something in the moment. So I I could get that. But I thought you brought up some great points there and I was talking a little bit before you joined me that I look for outliers and like you just mm-hmm. talked about Jawan Johnson and it can be positive outliers or negative outliers. Yeah. Nobody, nobody. And I mean, nobody saw miles Boykin run in the 40 last year as fast as he did. And then it goes back to, well, did we miss that? Why weren't we seeing him streaking down the sideline being a big vertical threat at Notre Dame? Was it quarterback play? Was it, was it coaching? Was it scheme? Was it play calling? What was it? Why wasn't he doing that more regularly? And then, you know, on the flip side, like, you know, a guy can run a really slow combine. Like remember Duranya Wilson all those years ago, like, you know, like I said, you're looking, I say, we look for outliers. We look for things that send us back to the film positively or negatively. We look for breaking tears and maybe using some testing uh, to kind of organize a tier a little bit. And then that's the stuff that I'm looking for most. And I'm looking for things, some things to be checked. I, I was mentioning with the running backs. Like, listen, Javon Leak and Anthony McFarlane are going to be drafted to be big play home run threats. Well, they better show some long speed and some burst. Like if all of a sudden those guys are four, five, eight, well, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, that maybe say, like we're four, miss- six, you're- yeah, maybe we're missing something on film. If you're drafting those guys exclusively to be change of pace, uh, committee guys where you're looking for the home run threat and you don't see that speed, well, that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of an issue. So we're looking for things that maybe and- we didn't see that don't check boxes at the combine. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel. And it's why I was saying before you got on air, I like having my tiers done. It's why we it's why we yeah. push the tier buster shows to pre-combine. Mm-hmm. I like having rankings. I like having tiers prior to the combine because I don't want to let combine testing dictate too much in terms of where I put guys in tiers and how I rank guys. I want it to be just a a small part of the process. And I love that fact that you were talking about accurate heights and weights and measurements and and wingspans. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, and I already said that, you know, we were recording this Monday afternoon. So we've already heard of some of the wide receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks. I mean, Brandon Ayuk's wingspan was massive. It just changes the narrative a little bit. Yeah, he might only be 5'11", but he's playing as if he's like a 6'4", 6'5", receiver. That could, that could impact maybe how he potentially solves problems on the football field, you know, at the next level. You know, Chase Claypool gained 10 pounds since the Senior Bowl, and there's wow. more and more talk that he might be – he might be embracing the potential switch to be a move tight end, which I kind of find funny because if he was a tight end, we would say, well, he's really not a tight end. He's just going to be used as a wide receiver anyway, and he's going to 
going to be off the line of scrimmage. So it's kind of funny that now he's a wide receiver gaining weight that, that we're going to say he's converting the switch to a move tight end. If he was listed at a move tight end and he, and he played how he did, we would just say he's basically a big wide receiver who's got a tight end designation. So it, it's a fascinating thing, but the measurements, the wingspans, I mean, Harrison Bryant, I haven't, I, let me swing this to tight ends because that's the one group I didn't talk about yet. I mean, Harrison Bryant today, for a guy who's got great size, he came in with very average uh, wingspan and, and arm length, which again, you wouldn't have guessed that when you watch film. It's impossible to really know. I mean, you could see if somebody is freakishly long in terms of their arms, but he came in at a much smaller length in terms of what we expect than what people expected today. Do I think it's going to impact his draft stock? No, but it's something to at least make note of that for a guy who's like six, four and a half closing in on six, five, he doesn't have the traditional arm length that you would expect. And then therefore the wingspan that, that most people, his, you know, his size would. So, so it's little things like that. I think the heights and the weights and the actual measurements of everything, I started to appreciate the value of them more to, because sometimes they're not all that similar. Sometimes they are different. And I do think it is important to have context in their heights and their weights. When we talk about what we saw on film, because if, if we see two guys doing things very similarly and one is 225 and one's 200 pounds, well, and the one is doing a 225 to me is more impressive. Well, and, and, and I would add to this, I mean, if we go back and this gets back to, to the, the whole, the whole problem solver paradigm that we talk about on this show so often, if you imagine every play as this foggy picture, this foggy picture becomes more and more clear when you add information. And that information can be cognitive experiences that they have from pre- previous plays that they've played and past games that they've been a part of. The other is their perceptual capabilities, their ability to see things visually, their audio, their auditory, as well as maybe their, their understanding of their body in space. And then the other thing is they see it through their own body. What can their body physically do? So you're going to be gosh darn right that a guy with an 81 inch wingspan is going to see the field a lot differently than a 72-inch wingspan. It makes a difference. Their body will interpret the information differently. It's just it's it's a it's not one the other or none. It's all of it together. So when you talked about Brandon Ayuk, you know, and you're looking at him and you're trying to drive yourself back to the film, you know what I think this does for us, Paul? And, and I'll leave it kind of here as we kind of let this marinate and let the chaos unfold over the next few days. You know what this also does? It does a good job in making you self-assess your own processes. Because, for example, if you didn't see a player play fast on the field, but yet he ran fast at the combine, and you're trying to figure out whether or not your process missed that, didn't miss it or hit it. You should be then asking yourself, what exposures did I value? What exposures were I valuing when I was looking at the player? Because maybe, for example, we saw a player run fast, but he runs slow. Was it possible that I was only look at, looking at problems that had minimum, like a very minimal amount of cognitive difficulty? a minimum amount of perceptual cognitive difficulty. Like it was a wide open lane and the dude just ran. He just ran down straight down the middle of the field. There was no other obstruction. I mean, who knows? So, I mean, it drives us back to our own process as well. But I think that I'm just excited, Paul. I'm just excited to sit there and watch. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's a great point that it does make us reassess some things. And I was just counting it. I was just counting it up. There's 55 wide receivers at the combine. Brandon Ayuk is five foot 11. Yet he is tied for fourth 
with his wingspan of 80 inches. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's just obscene. That's, that's crazy. So, like, it's little things like that that you gather that we would never have known until today. So, yeah. so that's why there is some merit. If we if we talk about the tight ends for one second and we will wrap this up in, in a few minutes here, things I'm looking forward to, some of these guys, I want to see their athletic testing in terms of like a guy like Devin Asayasi, he's not really garnered a lot of attention. He's not getting talked about a lot. But for a man his size, 6'3", 257, I'm impressed with his movement skills. You know, when I watch him on film, and he doesn't have a lot of film. He's very limited to this year, basically. So I want to see, the, the does the the actual testing in the combine setting match up to what I thought I saw for a man his size. Does Hunter Bryan blow it up? Because we know Hunter Bryan and what his role is going to be at the next level. So he's got to show off well in certain things like the the speed and stuff like that. You know, Bryson Hopkins, another guy, not going to be much in terms of blocking. He's known to be an athletic freak. Does he test out like an athletic freak? Because the tight ends are all jumbled together. All these guys are potentially, you know, round two, round three, round four picks. I think and Cole Komet came in huge, dude. And Cole Cole Komet Komet came in two sixty two. That's like an old lineman. You're getting into that range, so (laughs) you know. And and what I find interesting about that is what is he going to test like? Because if he runs a, if he goes Isaac Nauta and 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 runs a four nine or four nine five. Cole Komet's not going in round two or round three where I think people think he's going to go. So there are things like the, like Cole Komet's weight is a, it, to me is something that jumped off the page today. Thaddeus Moss came in very undersized. That's only six one. I don't think people thought he that was at that size. You know, so there's a lot of things today that you know. I'm interested to see from the tight end position, you know, a a lot of these guys, they're all jumbled together. Do we see anything that separates these guys is going to be fun. It's a spectacle. Understand what it is and what it isn't. I'm excited for the process and, and these tight ends, similar to the wide receivers, similar to the running backs and quarterbacks. I talked about before we can garner some things, but you're looking for the outliers. You're looking for the things that send you back to the tape potentially. And you want to check some boxes and make sure you didn't grossly misrepresent something in your notes that is far from the truth. And I think that's something that is very important as we do these things. So Matt, any, any final closing thoughts here? And we got a minute or two before we got to wrap it up. No, no, no. I would just leave everybody with the same old adages that we just started the show with. And we ended the show with, which is keep an open mind, enjoy it for the spectacle that it is. Don't abandon your grades because of a combine measurement or score. And just continue to trust your trust your ver- your understanding of the film. Really make that the 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 landscape with which you evaluate the talent because that's the final test. The game, the game is the test, not the combine. Unfortunately, that's not the way it's always portrayed. But that's not the final test. The game is absolutely so. As Matt was saying there, guys, enjoy it for what it is. Have fun with it. Watch it. I mean, it's going to be on prime time four nights in a row. I mean, it, it, it is a fun thing. And it's a way, if you're someone who just has turned your attention to the draft process, it's a way to introduce yourselves to so many players that you are soon going to be watching on Sunday. And I think that's part of this, part of the process. We watch these guys year round. We know about these guys years and years in advance. I mean, for God's sakes, Matt's watching these guys from high school. But for many people, this is their first exposures if you're not in Debbie leagues and stuff. 
stuff like that. If you don't play college fantasy football and all that stuff, it's a good way. The combine is a great way to start introducing yourselves to the next wave of guys that are going to enter the NFL. So it's, it's a fun part of the pre-draft process. All the underclassmen join the, the seniors after we've seen these seniors at the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. So it's fun to mix in the underclassmen now and, and, and see what happens here. Guys, I'm going to be trying, similar to last year, to do some quick recap shows after each day of the Combine. And then we're going to do a big recap show uh, sometime next week after the Combine is in the rearview mirror. So make sure you're you're following that, looking for those episodes. Go back and listen to the Tier Buster shows. You want to prep yourself for the Combine this week? Go back and listen for the wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs. Go back and listen to those four episodes if you missed them in our Tier Buster series. Matt and I talked about close to over 100 or 120 prospects in terms terms of where we would put these guys into our very unique tiers, four or five deep tiers uh, for all of those skill positions. Uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter throughout the combine. I'll be rapid fire giving my scouting thoughts, giving my notes, any information that I've collected and gathered on so many of these guys from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball and everybody in between. Any questions, reach out to me. I love interacting throughout the entire combine. People see things differently than me. That's part of the beauty and part of the fun in the draft process. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.